And welcome back to Pastor Plex Podcast. I am so glad that all of you are here and joining with me in studio is none other than Mrs. Leah Brown. Leah, welcome once again. Hi. <laughs> and also, we have an incredible story that we're going to be talking about uh, this morning. I have Everett Gregory, who I call Greg. I'm so, Greg, I am so glad that you are here. Say hey to everybody. Hi, everybody. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Greg, where are you from, born and raised? And we're going to get to why your, your story is so unique here. But I want to hear a little bit of background before we get to that. I was born and raised in a little country town in the South called Woodstock, Georgia. Okay. And we, we grew up in a farm there? Yes, yes. We had a farm. And talk to me about, like, you had, you know, because you are, you explained that you are a racial mutt. You've got Cherokee, oh. mm-hmm. black, black. White. Yes. So t- talk to us Talk to us about that dynamic, what it was like growing up. I guess we'd say the 50s, right? Yes, the 50s. Well, uh, the Klan burnt the farm down in 58. Oof. By the grace of God, they set the house on fire. We was in their sleep. They set the barn on fire, and they burnt our garden. And people in that town loved my father because he, he would go to different farms and slaughter hogs and all that to farm, but... And, they wanted to loan him the money to rebuild, but he was so devastated that he just sold the land and we moved. <laughs> oh, man. That's hard. In fact, you had three sisters that you that got sent to New York to go yes. live with family. Mm-hmm. And then so it was just you, your mom, and dad? Yes. And so talk to me about what that dynamic was like growing up. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, was, I, was a, I was a good kid until I started hanging around my cousins. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, it was it was rough. You know, um, if you go to the grocery store, being black, you had to stand. You had to go to the back of the grocery store, stand mm-hmm. this long line with other blacks, mm-hmm. and wait your turn to get waited on. Right, and it seemed like they make you stand out there in that hot sun forever. Right, and you know, we had something called a giggling barrel, or. Uh, they had that on the streets. Black people couldn't laugh in public. So you stuck your head in a barrel to laugh. Yeah, you had to stick your head in a barrel to laugh. It's called a laughing barrel. Look it up. Uh, that is, that is, that's just mind-blowing to even sort of... So what about school? What was that like for you? Uh, school was all right. I think I went like 15 miles to Canton, Georgia, to school every day on the bus. It was... It was all right. You know, um, I did my lessons and stuff. I wasn't an A student, but, you know, I said about a C student. student, And uh, I got along with everybody in school, you know, uh, the teachers and everything. High school was difficult, though, because I was little. I'm still little. And I always (laughs) wanted to play football, and no one really gave me the chance. And... (laughs) You know, basketball, I didn't do good. And baseball, I didn't do good. Okay, so you it was, what about your friends? You, you were telling me earlier that you had a lot of a lot of your friends, as you were younger, just die. Yes. yes. What, what, give me some of the circumstances. Okay, I had one friend named Chuck. He uh, just got an apartment. And it was a gas leak in his house, and they found him in the kitchen with his hand sticking up trying to open the door. Oh, man. And... Then I had three friends went to Florida. They got murdered, went down there, tried to rob somebody. They got killed. I had another friend. Uh, one Wednesday, he called me. He said, do you want to go to the show with me in Pookie? 
That was going to be a Friday. It was Wednesday. I told him, no, man. You and your girl go have a good time. I'm all right. And him, he walked his girlfriend home. This guy drawed a gun on him and killed him and kidnapped his girlfriend for the weekend. And he let her go that Monday. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's wild. Okay. So talk to me about you. You, end, you ended up quitting school in ninth grade and yeah. you were working. What were you doing? Well, uh, my dad became bedridden. I mean, my dad was 63 years old when I was born. Oh, so wow. uh, he was bedridden, and I had to quit school. My mom, she was uh, being a maid, cleaning people's homes. And I had I won the corner, sold candy. Then I messed around. I got a job. I was cleaning old bricks. Oh, okay. Cleaning the concrete off the old bricks and stuff so it could be reused. And... I was getting paid penny a brick. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and, wow. And selling the candy, I was lucky if I made $14 a day. Oh. And that was just it. I, I was a good artist. I met Charles Schultz. He oh, came wow. to the house to visit me. So do we have some like some creative peanuts that we, yeah. that was all you were the guy that really was probably behind that all? I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, he wanted me to come, come with him to go to school. Oh, wow. To be an artist. And I told him, I said, I can't do it. I can't leave my mom like this. Oh. And you, know, you were telling me about earlier that your mom, what, what did she struggle with? Hmm? Your mom, what was her struggle? Oh, she was an alcoholic. And how, how did that affect you? Did you have to take care of her? Was... Uh, sometimes she would get sloppy drunk. Yeah. And that kind of hurted me, you know, and getting her in bed and stuff. And my dad, he wasn't too much help with it. And... You know, uh, just just trying to take care of her, get in bed, get a wet cloth, wipe her face off and stuff. Mm. And I couldn't cook then, but I could fix a hot dog or a bologna sandwich or something. Okay. And say, Mom, come on, have have something to eat, you know. And like I said, my sister and them weren't there, so it was hard for me because... It's rough when your friends say, man, your mom up there the street drunk, man. You, I think you need to go help her get her home. And, you know, okay, I got to go get mom now. So, so you had a really tough upbringing, it sounds like. When did you come to know Jesus? Uh, I, met, I, I came to know Jesus about, it was about 84, 86. Okay. You know, I always loved church. I always what, did. What was it about church that you loved? Well, the worship service and... Then, you know, hearing, when, when I first started hearing the word, but I wasn't understanding it. Mm. And now, you know, it's like I'm still learning. Yeah. I'm still learning, you know. And uh, I know I'm just starting eating meat now. <laughs> oh, you just started eating meat? What do you mean? Well, I'm not drinking milk no more. Okay. <laughs> Spiritual milk, spiritual meat. Oh, got it, got it. I'm with you. Sorry. It's in the Bible, Chris. Sorry, sorry. I was like, wait, what do you mean? Oh, got it. Okay, yeah. So you're no longer nursing on the basics of elementary faith, but now you're starting to chew the chew the meat a little bit. Okay, that's good. That's good because you know once you start growing teeth, you're not supposed to nurse anymore. That's right. That's right. I got a nursing baby with teeth. It's not good. Time for meat. <laughs> a little, little off topic. Sorry. All right. So, talk to us about like, okay, you in your eighties, then you you get married. Yeah. And, and talk to us about that. Well, um, I was married for about 
six years. My wife had four children, two boys and two girls. And that she brought into the marriage. Yeah, she brought into the marriage. I don't have kids. If I do, nobody told me. (laughs) 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 Anyway, uh, the marriage dissolved. You know, we parted. Uh, She, I I guess she just fell in love. She started dating a married man. Uh. And I was mad. I was angry. But like I said, we used to go to church, and I just walked away from the marriage. I didn't argue with her. I just walked away. And about seven years after that, I was contacted from my sister in New York. She said, you need to come here. I need to talk to you, bro. And I said, what's going on? And she said, she was Cheryl. So my wife named Cheryl. And I said, what's going on with Cheryl? Well, uh, you need to get up here because she won't talk to you. And I said, I really don't want to talk to her. But I went anyway, and when she came to my sister's house, she said, I want to tell you something. She said, you all right? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Uh-huh. You helped in everything. I said, there's nothing wrong with me. And she said, well, I got AIDS. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I said, you get it from the marriage guy? She said, yeah. I said, was it worth it? <laughs> Was it worth it? Yeah. She said, no, but she said, I'm, I'm glad you all right. And I said, well, you know God loves us. And, you know, I said, I'm sorry I walked away from the marriage. I said, but I couldn't handle it. Yeah. Was yeah. it, how much longer was it before she passed away? Oh, she just passed away. She passed away in uh, 2005. So maybe two years after I talked to her. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. About two years after that, she passed away from AIDS. And I'm just sitting here today because I believe with all my heart that Jesus got me to walk away from that. Wow. The devil do set traps for you. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, speaking of walking, uh, <laughs> let's talk about about nine years ago, you were in a car accident. Was, was it with a bus or what was it? Yes, um, I was in Houston working for a doctor. I was delivering some papers to another doctor. And I stopped the van at a green light, so ambulance come to a red light. And a metro bus slammed in the back of the van I was driving. And I went through the intersection, almost hit the ambulance, and the big steel poles they have. I hit that, and when I hit that, I was thrown forward, then went back. When I went back, the seat broke. Oh. I just laid there in traction, like, oh, <laughs> oh, you know. And uh, But I didn't go to the hospital until the next day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> listen. I, I I can I can get that. You I really I can relate to we that. We got stuff to do. And <laughs> what did you do? So okay, so you you got your backs like messed up, and you just kind of like you just walk it off or what? Yeah. But the next morning, I had to go to the top. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you were like, this hurts way too much. Yeah. And so, what did they tell you was wrong? Oh, I damaged my uh, lower part of my back. And they said, well, you're going to need surgery. I said, all right. So they did surgery on the back, and it didn't do no good. You know, maybe eight or nine months, and I felt like, man, something ain't right. No, no, uh uh-uh. 
So then they had to go through the front. Oh. This is a second surgery? fusion on my spine. Oh. So you yeah. had two surgeries? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, and so then when did, and then you were like, oh no, walking is really hard. Were you first like in crutches and then eventually in a wheelchair and then you got the sweet electric wheelchair? How'd that work? Well, the crutches, I try, I couldn't walk with them things. So, you know, they, they, they uh, made me go to shower chair all day. I said, nah, uh-uh. Yeah. You know, and I threw the crutches away. I did have a cane. Yeah. I had the cane and then like, it just getting worse, so you know I could take twenty steps. Then it looked like it went down to ten steps, and the back was hurting. So, all right, the doctor said, "Well, you know, we'll give you a wheelchair that'll help you get around better. You know, it'd be better on your back." Yeah. And I hated that thing, but I needed it. Right. You know, and like I said, um, all them years. Stuck in that thing. Wow. And then all of a sudden, you know, a miracle happens. Okay, let's talk about that. So <laughs> okay. you've, you've had people pray over you before. You weren't, you've never been bashful about that, right? No, no. You, uh, you were hating living in that wheelchair, and yeah. you asked God uh, to, to heal you for over the past eight years. Yeah. And when God didn't heal you, what was your, like, how would how'd that affect your relationship with God? Well, it if it didn't affect my relationship. I just said, well, God, you know, you're in control. You got your own time to do what you're going to do. You're always on time. You're never late. Yeah. And so about, was it six months ago you started coming to our church? Mm, or, about three months. Three ago. months ago. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I, I'm just like, who knows what the timeline is. <laughs> All right. So three months ago you started coming to our church and I, I, I remember meeting you and I was like, oh, this is a sweet guy, sweet wheelchair. And it, I mean, your wheelchair is, it's electric. So it, it's, it's powered and it's nice. Yeah. Uh, and, and when did you get that particular wheelchair? I got that about two years ago. Okay. And so you came <clears throat> here and then what prompted you to ask for the elders to pray over you, anoint your head with oil and all that. Well, okay. Uh, when I came here, you know, I heard the service and everything. I felt all kind of love here. Yeah. And I said, okay, God, this is it. I'm asking you one more time. <laughs> one more time, please. In the name of Jesus, would you touch me and heal me? I'm tired of this chair. And... I won't run again. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so then you, so uh, Brad Medford and I, we, we, I pulled you up right over, right over here, and I got my. I mean, it's not nothing special. Was this on a Sunday, this like after a, service? Yeah, Sunday after service, right? Yeah. And because, uh, and if you didn't know this, at our church, the elders are always available to pray for people and anoint them with oil. Which I, you know, we don't really advertise that just because I don't know. Maybe that's. We probably should. We should be advertising that way more. Uh, so we do. We, we, we annoy people's heads with oil because uh, James chapter 5 says, like, right, is anyone sick or is anyone of you suffering? Call the elders and have them anoint uh, your head with oil and have them pray over you, and the prayer will make the sick person well. And so we, we've been obedient to that. And I've prayed over a lot of people, and I've never seen what happened <laughs> Next. So I prayed over you and Brad prayed over you. And I remember you crying and I remember you uh, just really moved. And I was like, I, I, 
I don't, it's like, you know how like in Jesus and he felt power go from him. I did not feel any power leave from me. So there was nothing really, I didn't have like, what's up, what's I am? I, you know, I was like, ready to be a Benny Hinn. Uh, but I had, it, but you felt something and there was, there was something that happened to you and explain, explain what happened. Okay. Well, uh, the prayer happened and the hands was laid with oil on yep. me. Right then, right there and then, I knew that my prayer had been answered. I knew it had been answered. But you know, uh, when God touched you, you will know that he touched you. Wow. And that's the most wonderful feeling in the world that anyone can experience, being a Christian or anybody else. And earlier you were saying it felt like he gave you a big hug. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He, I mean, he always hugging me. Mm -hmm. I'd be at the house and I'll start worse, you know, singing and and then, you know, it's like a cold chill come over what's happening now to me. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's the love that he's, he's showing you, you know. And you said earlier, I think you said uh, it was a burden that felt like it just kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, when, when the hands were laid and the oil was put on, you know, you just felt real light. And you could feel the love, you know, and like. Okay, I know I know this is it. <laughs> I know this is it. Okay, so when I what you left, you left still in the wheelchair cuz I was like honestly I didn't think anything had happened. I was just like, "Oh, that was cool. I, I prayed for Greg. Yay, Greg." And then, you know, Brad and I went and prayed with other people and that was it was a normal Sunday. Well, what you left went home in the wheelchair, but mm -hmm. then what happened when you got home? Well, when I got home, I put the wheelchair in the bedroom like I always do. And when I used to get up, I would kind of stumble, you know, to get my balance when I get out the wheelchair. So I figured that we're going, I thought that might happen when I got out of it, but it didn't. And I said, hmm, this feels pretty good, you know. <laughs> and I, I, I started walking around in my apartment, and there was no pain, there was no... You know, it, it was... Because before, you, was it hard to bend down, or was yeah. it... Yeah, yeah, it was hard to bend down, and, you know, it was hard to tie your shoes and stuff like that. And it's just a joy to do the things you used to do, you know, some of the things you used to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, the little simple things, you know, like standing up cooking. <laughs> you know, I couldn't stand up that long, you know. I said, oh, man, I can't cook today. I, I know I'm going to be hurting. So after that, you were obviously so excited, you called Chris right up and told him, right? Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't tell me until the following Sunday. Right, the following Sunday. What, 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 why the delay? I think, did you forget you had my number? I didn't have your number. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I, I did text you once. Oh, well, oh, you didn't have my number. Okay, got it. I, you got the text, but you didn't get my number. Okay, so tell me about, so you come to church the following Sunday. Do you remember how you told me? I also, I just, no, you approached me. You said, look, you're walking. No, no, no. I, you came to me and you go, it worked. And I oh, go, yeah, 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 and I right. go what worked? <laughs> and you're like, look at me, I'm walking. I, and I couldn't even believe it. I was like, you're walking. This is crazy. Uh, it was wild. I, I remember, and, I, and then I was like, and I had a hard time remembering you being in a wheelchair because it looked so normal for you to be walking. That's that's the thing that struck me. And then you started dancing a jig. Oh yeah, <laughs> you were you were dancing in the hall or hall in the 
Aisle. Whatever. Aisles. It's kind of like a hallway. It's an aisle. You were dancing the aisle as during worship. I mean, you were going for it. And I'd, I'd never, I mean, the way that you were before, because sometimes you would try to stand up for worship just for like a, a song. Yeah. And it would took everything in you to stand. And, right. and then you'd slump back in your chair and it was done. And, uh, and to see you dancing like you were dancing was just incredible. Uh, and so, and there was no pain in doing that. No, no. So, uh, Leah, I mean, can you, <laughs> I know there's a lot of skeptics out there. <laughs> They're going to be like, come on. Uh, what, do we, what do we, I mean, I know there's no way to prove it, like with video cameras and stuff. I, I, what do you think? How can we tell people like, this is not, we're not just making this up. He's walking, dude. I mean, <laughs> what, what what do you have to gain from making it up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so have you got any endorsements from like Nike or anything since you? Uh... <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh-uh. I mean, look, I, I have a skeptical tendency, but not really about this. Jesus did it all over the place in the yeah. New Testament. Unless you subscribe to a cessation theology where right. you say this doesn't happen anymore, what's your what's your reason? What's your motive to be skeptical about it? Yeah. Yeah, it's mind blowing. It's just really incredible, and uh, I feel like I would love for everyone to sort of experience like what you're, you've experienced, because I think here's what I mean by that: you put your full trust and hope in Jesus that no matter what the outcome was, you were right. good. You were good with it, but you were, went bold enough to, to suffer the humiliation of like I'm going to ask for someone to pray over me, and what if it doesn't work? And you still came. No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't saying that it wouldn't work because I know God got His own time to do His own thing. Right. And okay, I'm asking one more time, Jesus, help me. Yeah. And He did. You uh-huh. know, I mean, I always, I always know that He was going to do it. Yeah. When I didn't know. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And ultimately, I mean, this is where, you know, you go back to the scripture, Isaiah 35, uh, verses four through, or three through five. It says, he's going to come and save you. He will make the, the blind see, the lame man walk, the mute person sing for joy and the deaf hear. And so when you, when you hear that, that, that is a real specific thing that ultimately will happen in when we go to meet Jesus. But we get to see shadows of that every now and then with people like Greg. And it's so moving to see. And I, I think what that is, I think it's the gift for me to believe. Like, I, I, I believe that Jesus died and rose again. But there's every now and then you need, you need encouragement that God is still working today. And whatever your situation is, God is in control. And I think that's the part that is... Because I, I think some people come to this and the prosperity gospel would be like, I command God to do something. And so therefore he must. Because, and, and that is a, a weird uh, darkness that is like God's your little genie. But what Greg did is he came, God, I, am come, I know one day I will be healed according to your scripture. And I'm hoping mm-hmm. that's before I hit 70 or before my head is in a grave. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part for me that I think is so moving and so righteous about your cry for help and our response to God's word that says to lay hands on those who are sick mm-hmm. and those who are suffering suffering uh, in hopes that God answers prayer. Because there's a couple times where God says no. 
God said no to Jesus in the garden. He prayed three times for for the Father to remove the cup from him. And God said no, but he strengthened him and gave him the ability to endure the cross. Then also after that, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, Paul wrote that he asked God three times to remove the thorn from his side. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so now we'll boast all the more my weakness. And so there, there's times when God says yes. And that's why I think we need to be bold enough to come to him fully trusting, fully experiencing that he has the power and the ability to do so. And if he wants to, he can and he will. Uh, and he wants to bless you. But if he doesn't, this is all I always say. It's when God says no, it's for your protection. Amen. Because God might be wanting to work something in you before he gives you the visibility of such a healing or such that incredibleness. Or maybe he wants you to grow in patience and long suffering and that there is going to be the fruit of the spirit, which comes from endurance of pain and hurt. I've been in my quiet time with Job. And so that's kind of oddly, it, that's where my quiet time has been for the past month. And um, watching Job um, suffer as well as he did, uh, still cry out to God in hope when when God still felt like he wasn't answering, still would he praise him, still would he worship him, still would he put his hope there because he knew his redeemer lived. And so I, I look at you, Greg, and I look at your heart. I look at the way that God has built you and blessed you. And I get excited for all the people at your apartment complex that have seen you in a wheelchair <laughs> and now are going to see you walking around. And you, you, know, you could give an advertisement for QC Kinetics or whatever. I don't <laughs> Like, you know, hey, here's the joint pain. It's gone. Uh, but you, what you you're going to be able to do is go to them and say like, look what God has done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that for me is encouraging. And so who's, who's going to be patient number one that's going to receive a, a knock on the door and say, God, heal me. <laughs> me. Yeah. No, no, so that's really, but I think this, because I think you told me before that like, you're kind of a, a, a lone wolf type person. Right. And now, and now, do you think God's calling you to share, the, share his yeah, story yeah, through I, you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Cause you know, I mean, I, I got something to really talk about. <laughs> yeah, you do. No, I, the power of God. Oh, my God. And, you know, people look at you, you know, I, it hurts me when I'm talking to unbelievers. Yeah. It, you know, and then I, I get a little angry and God tell me, I don't need you to offend me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I lo- okay, so tell me about, you, you told me about, you, uh, you have one friend that comes over every now and then. Yeah, he's a blind guy. Me and him have been friends uh, maybe 15, 16 years now. We endured a lot, you know, being homeless and stuff together. But uh, he's, he, I try to get him to come to church and, he just, well, what happened? They're going to make me see. I said, I don't know what God got for you in store. Just go find out. Yeah. You know, I say he do miracles every day, man, you know. And uh, see, you know, you, you saying he healed you and, you know, it's the medicine the doctor gave you. I said, no, it's not, man. Come on. Come yeah. on. You know, I said, I believe. If you don't believe, that's you, but I know. That is awesome. Um, I can't wait. What's your friend's name? James Otto. Man. <laughs> Got first day and last year. I love it. James Otto. Uh, uh, we're going to be praying for you. Would, would you mind praying for James right now? And let's just ask God to bring him to church. Sure, okay. Yeah. Well, Father, coming to you today, asking you to touch James Otto heart. 
I would like him to come to church, Jesus, so he can hear the word and pray for a blessing from you, Lord. Mm. I know you work miracles. I am one of them. And I know you have something special in man for James. I'm going to keep trying to invite him, Father, and I just leave it in your hands to touch him and say, Everett, I'm going to church with you Sunday. And I, I, it would be a blessing to me and him, Lord Jesus. And I just want you to keep doing your miracles, God. The unbelievers, I'm just telling you, <laughs> the devil's a liar and Jesus is alive. And he's on his job. I ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for praying, Greg. And I'm hoping that uh, James does come. And listen, if you've got... We will, we invite everyone. You can come uh, to church on Sunday and we'll pray for you. You can meet uh, Everett Gregory yourself. Uh, and I know Greg would love to, to pray for you. But it, listen, th- there is no special power we have here, but we do know a God who can heal and we do know a God who can do all things. If you got a question about any of that, you can text at 737-231-0605 or go to pastorpleck.com and leave a message for us there. Um, I really want to challenge you. This is like, you're seeing like living proof that God still works. And so my hope for you is that in the next uh, next week or so, you might come give us a visit here at Wells Branch Church and see what God might do. So from our house to yours, have an awesome week of worship. Amen.